You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's January 21st. The Kremlin appears poised to launch an attack against Ukraine. And just before we started recording this Friday, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with his Russian counterpart in hopes of de-escalating the situation. Blinken warned that Washington is committed to a, quote, united, swift, and severe response if Moscow invades. In a new RAND report about long-term competition between the U.S. and Russia, Researchers conduct a statistical analysis of thousands of interactions between America and its competitors, and explore numerous case studies of previous crises that involved Moscow. Although the report is not about the crisis diplomacy unfolding today, the authors have pointed out several valuable insights from their research that shed light on current tensions. First, for years, the U.S. has placed Ukraine and other former Soviet states somewhere between full NATO membership and acceding to a tacit Russian sphere of influence, the authors say. Their study suggests that, historically, such half-measures may have contributed to situations in which competitors pursue hostile activities, including military intimidation. Second, Russia is concerned about U.S. missile placement and the location of military exercises in Europe that involve American troops. The report suggests that these issues may be opportunities for negotiation, because Russia is likely to value U.S. concessions in these areas. But it's unclear whether concessions would be enough to alter Russian behavior now. Third, it's unclear what will happen next. But in the event that Russia does invade Ukraine, it appears that the U.S. may be willing to position additional forces in Europe. The author's findings suggest that doing so would likely help deter further Russian aggression. However, new force deployments should be part of a broader strategy to support U.S. allies and key partners. You can find the full report on RAND.org, and we'll aim to have more for you on this show about the Russia-Ukraine crisis as it develops. From aiding nuclear disaster response in Fukushima, Japan, to exposing lead-ridden water in Flint, Michigan, Citizen science has a long tradition of helping communities respond to and recover from crises. And as disasters become more and more common, testing the limits of what governments and public health agencies can do to respond, citizen science may be even more important to help communities bounce back from catastrophes. That's why RAND researchers published a do-it-yourself guide for budding citizen scientists. Who is this toolkit for? The authors described their audience as, quote, ordinary people organizing through science and engineering to help disaster response and recovery. The guide walks people with no scientific training through the steps of a successful project. It's based on years of research showing how communities can make themselves safer, stronger, and more resilient through science. And if people have an inside look at how science works, Our researchers believe that could help improve public trust in science, which is especially important at a time when many people doubt the data and research coming out of large institutions. You can find and download the complete Citizen Science Guide for community groups at RAND.org.
In 2016, a RAND report identified one hypothetical scenario that could, quote, critically compromise the U.S. blood supply, a pandemic. This risk became a reality after COVID-19 hit nearly two years ago, resulting in extreme fluctuations in both blood supply and demand. Now, the situation is getting worse during the Omicron wave. In fact, the American Red Cross recently declared a nationwide blood crisis. The authors of the RAND report identified several recommendations to help. First and foremost, they say that the federal government should consider taking a more active role in monitoring and managing the blood supply. That could begin with the creation of a nationwide database that tracks blood supplies in real time and flags any possible shortages before they become urgent. The government could also establish how much blood hospitals need to keep on hand in case of emergency, and then help them cover the cost of stocking up. Steps such as these could help safeguard America's blood supply, and help it withstand future shocks. We'll end today's show by highlighting some new work coming out of RAND's Art Plus Data project a collaboration with artists to develop thought-provoking new ways to visualize RAND research. Our current artist-in-residence, Gabrielle Marit, has created a series of visual essays that provide a deeper understanding of what might lead an individual down the path toward violent extremism, and what could help them find a way out. The essays are based on RAND researchers' recent interviews with more than two dozen former white supremacists, Islamic extremists, and their family members. You can check out these essays and learn more about the research behind them on RAND's Instagram feed or at RAND.org. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered in this episode, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week.